Hello and welcome to the Rethink Missions podcast, stories and lessons from frontier missionaries to unreached people groups. If you are a church planter, aspiring church planter, or missions-minded believer, this podcast will challenge your thinking and encourage your heart. Here is your host, Jeremy Wardlaw. Welcome to this week's episode of Rethink Missions Podcast. We're excited to have Mrs. Jungle. If you've not heard the episode by Mr. Jungle, go back and listen to that episode for some context. But we're using an alias because some of the people groups and some of the church plants we were talking about are sensitive, and so we don't want to jeopardize the people group and the church plant because of this podcast. But Mrs. Jungle is joining us today. Thank you for being here. We want to learn from her story, her role on the team of learning the language and culture, developing relationships, and most importantly, her specific role, which was literacy. So to start it off, can you just set the stage for us? How did you get involved in missions in the first place? Well, a phrase I heard as a young woman, which had a big impact on some of the major decisions in my life was, there are three things that are eternal, God, his word, and the souls of people. Invest your life in those things. God used that along with Proverbs 24, 11, and 12, which says, Deliver those who are drawn toward death and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, Surely we did not know this, does not he who weighs the heart consider it? He who keeps your soul, does he not know it? And will he not render to each man according to his deeds? God used that phrase in these verses to lead me into church planning among the unreached. I was terrified, but I knew this is what God wanted me to say yes to, and I was more afraid of saying no to God. But when we first moved into the Vine Village, I felt like I had landed on another planet. Everything about them was so different than what I, had, what I was used to. I mean, I was raised in the suburbs of Canada's largest city, and here I was in the middle of the jungle. And for them, I was like an alien who didn't fit in, too. But the first step to church planting is building relationships, and I learned quickly that they enjoy people. They are used to being surrounded by people all the time, and they love to tell me what to do, what to say, what to eat. I can't say I always did what they wanted me to, but but I was able to build some of the deepest relationships I have, and some of those women are so dear to me. They're just like sisters. So you grew up in the city, and uh, here you are in the middle of nowhere and trying to build friendships. So, I mean, obviously you said you listened to them, and I mean, what didn't you do that they they wanted you to do? What were some of those things? Uh, dress like them. Uh, they have like, uh, at that time they wore a small skirt that just covered what needed to be covered and nothing, nothing more. So they, they wanted you to dress like them. They wanted me to dress like them. Um, there, there were a little bit more, um, 
aggressive with what they wanted their kids to do as far as retaliating with hitting each other. And while I was teaching our kids not to hit, they were teaching their kids to hit. So your kids aren't aren't doing the right thing, or you're no, not no, parenting they well. Were, yeah, I was not. No, even the little the little girls told me the things that I did wrong in my parenting skills. <laughs> yeah. So okay, so you're trying to break down these barriers, you know, cultural barriers, and build friendships. What were some of the things that you did, even though you couldn't take their parenting advice, maybe, um, or dress the the way they did? What what did you do? Well, the key one would be speaking their heart language. And they were a monolingual group, so all of our communication with them was in their own language. Uh, our first year living with them, I had made good progress. And, and then our little family of three grew to five. So for a few years, I was quite busy with other responsibilities but every day, I did spend time sitting with the ladies and visiting with them, talking with them while we watched our little ones play. And as a family, we had a number of, of interesting books and magazines. So during those times of sitting with them, we would look through these books and magazines. Um, then when the baby stage was over, uh, once more, I got back to studying the language. But the key would be um, communicating with them and speaking with them, speaking their language. Mm. Yeah, I've heard that before. It's so important to learn the language. Um, so what were some of the challenges in your church planning ministry? Well, there were many obstacles and, and lots of huge challenges. Um, we had joined an existing work, and so there had been missionaries that had been there for a number of years, there were a lot of advantages to that, uh, but one of the challenges was that the people assumed that we were there in this particular place because it was such a wonderful place to live in. They knew no other place. Uh, they had never been outside to know anything different than where they lived. Uh, they also thought that we were there to give them fish hooks, fish lines, and other things that they needed, and uh, that we were there to look after their medical needs. I remember one of our church planning consultants telling us to remind the people why we were living there. We were there to teach them God's word. So in many of my conversations with the ladies, I would talk about God and his word. I guess so much so that one of the ladies told our coworker that, oh yeah, she just talks too much about God. And our coworker said, well, well, isn't that good to talk about God? No, she talks too much about God. But soon after that, this young woman, she did become a follower of Jesus. And then she was the one who was always talking about God to her husband. Uh, and sure enough, he became a believer too, and he's a follower of Jesus today. Wow, what a cool story. And, you know, we I'm sure people can relate to that idea that, oh, she just talks too much about God, even back here. You know, where yeah. you you just feel like you're that person that just talks too much about God. And yet, what else, I mean, what else are we going to share with people Yeah, that's going to really change their lives? And uh, Exactly. So tell me about your ministry. What was your role on the, on the church planting team? 
Um, okay, our church planting ministry had four areas to it. Uh, the health needs, literacy, socioeconomic development, and then Bible teaching and Bible translation. And right from the start, I was able to be involved in the literacy program. So part of the literacy material had been developed, and we were able to complete the material that was still lacking. And I began my first class with a lively group of seven-year-old girls in the pre-literacy class. And there were two obstacles with those girls. One was, at that time, their parents didn't see the value of them knowing how to read. And the other was that the girls, they thought that they couldn't learn how to read. At that time, the girls were considered to be less than the boys and not able to learn. But all the girls in that group did learn how to read and write. So you mentioned uh, a group of seven girls, you know. Seven-year-old girls. I seven, can't, there oh, probably okay. was about maybe 12 of them in that group. So what, what did a class room look like what did the average class look like a lot of conversation uh, amongst them as they're working uh, but they first of all would do some uh, pre-literacy first of all it started with writing um, then we were moved into uh, learning the different sounds and the symbols that were made in in their language and then um, they would spend time reading and writing out those sentences and a very lively class. They probably, our, our initial classes were about an hour long. And uh, if we got through that, that was good. And if they weren't off doing something else, either fishing or helping in the garden with their parents, then, then they came to class. So, I mean, how did you get them to come in the first place if the parents didn't really see the value they didn't really believe they could read how did they even how did you even get them to come i think doing something different out of the norm away from some of the responsibilities that they had with their you know with either looking after their younger siblings the girls are go they're going to be carrying their little uh, brothers and sisters around they're going to be working they're going to be helping their mom carry the firewood from the farm there's a lot of jobs that a young girl has so to be able to get away from that for an hour and do something different was appealing and it gave them an opportunity to be with their peers so they enjoyed that yeah I mean that's why I like school be with friends yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah so I can totally see that so that so you had a class they eventually became readers um how long did that take to that did take us, um, oh, probably maybe four years, four or five years before they became, they were able to read because there was a lot, there's a lot of other things happening at that time. There's people, uh, they're going off in the jungle to eat off the fruits that are in the jungle, to go away on a feast, a lot of different, um, not a regular school year like we are used to. Um, so it took a bit longer, but but they they did learn. So you had to adapt to their farming cycle and just the, how they their livelihood, their community life, and and the way that they do things. Yeah, you adapt to it. 
Mm-hmm. And even if there was just, we tried to consistently have classes, even if there was just a few, um, then go ahead and teach the ones that are coming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it took four years. That's a chunk of time. So what, in your mind, what was the, wh- why was it so important to take all this time to plant or to, to have readers? Yeah. So literacy um, was just a really important part of our church planning um, ministry there because um, how do we get to know God? We get to know God through his word. And if God places such a high value on his word, then we need to also. I mean, God is the one who decided that he's going to communicate to man through his written word. Sometimes we want the quick and the easy approach, but but that's not God's approach. And uh, so many times we as followers of Jesus, we've we've been encouraged by God's word. I know that there have been times in my own life when I've been discouraged and and feeling like you know you're kind of in the pit of despair uh, with my head down and then and then reading one of the psalms or reading one of jesus's promises and then rather than having a, a horizontal look to life i'm able to get that vertical look i'm able to lift up my eyes and see jesus and and why can i do that i can do that because i've got god's written word right there available to me and i can read it why wouldn't we want that for our fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord? Um, and when we look in Scripture, we see Jesus. How was it when Jesus was tempted that he um, resisted Satan's temptation? He said, it is written. He knew the word because, you know, he that was important, that God has placed such a high value on it. So we placed a high value on literacy because God places a high value on his written word and he desires that people are able to read his written word. So what would you say to um, someone who's wanting to reach the unreached? So similar context to you and they want to um, skip literacy. They want to go and maybe get recordings in the language and have good teaching that goes through the Bible, um, but it there's not actually an emphasis on readers in the language and written material in the unreached language. What would you say to them? Well, I would say um, by by putting a, a high value on literacy, we're not saying that the audio doesn't have its place in a church planning. Um, ministry or in a church but God does um, he has chosen to use his written word to communicate to us and that should be a part of our plan and our goal because that's what God that's how God has designed things he's made it that way Um, in the long run we might think that it would be quicker to skip the literacy program and just do the audio. But in the long run, uh, that might be a quick and easy step for the immediate that we want. But in the long run, 
the the churches that thrive and that have leaders that are able to lead their people are churches that have the written word translated and the people are able to read it for themselves, study it for themselves, and feed themselves. Right. And I've heard um, just a lot of different theories, on, like the orality movement. That is a big movement, right? And what you're saying is it's not just because you're stressing literacy and written material in a language doesn't mean you don't believe in words, audible words, right? That's exactly, exactly. We know for, for ourselves, we can, we get fed many different ways, right? We get through listening to a sermon or through, um, through reading the word, through doing a Bible study. And like I said, through, through things that we listen to, and we want to make those things available, all those things available to the, to the, our friends who, you know, have put their faith and in tr- trust in Christ. Uh, we want to be able for them to have all those things available to them also. Right. And I think a lot of, I've heard the, the thought that oral cultures have better memories, that they, you know, oral tradition is passed on through generations, and therefore the Word of God can be preserved orally. Um, what would you say about that? I think that there's, although that has been said, I don't think that there's actually any proof that really shows that. And oral um, people groups, they're just the same as us. You know, there's there's no difference in uh, one group being able to maintain things orally better than another group. Through time... Things are going to get forgotten. The message is going to get um, mixed up and it's going to get distorted. That's going to happen with all people. And that God knowing that, that is why he had his written word. He had the different uh, prophets write the word and it was preserved through the years. He's kept it preserved. And So you would say there's no scientific data that you know of that says someone from an oral culture has a superior memory to someone from a literate culture. Yeah, I... I I mean, that makes sense to me because there isn't a biological difference at at a memory level. Um, So that totally makes sense to me um, that it might be a cultural value, um, but there's not any biological data to say that someone with uh, from an oral culture has a superior memory to someone from yeah um, a non-oral or literate culture so that would be the importance of literacy uh, that makes sense to me um, so tell me give me a story of how this has played out you know this was years ago that you were in this class um, teaching teaching these girls how to read and write. Is there a recent story about how this actually played out in real life um, where you can see the benefit of having readers and and the Word of God in their hands? Yeah, I actually um, heard um, recently about uh, a young man. He would have been uh, the same age as, as this group of young girls that I taught, 
So he was in the class of boys, and he's a reader today. And he, uh, his nephew um, died from, uh, I think it was complications with a sickness, and he was devastated. And he was um, just really having a difficult time, not a follower of Jesus, but happened to have a book on hand that was about the life of Christ. And he just ended up picking up that book and reading it. And through reading it, realized that before God, he was separated and that Jesus was his deliverer. So he um, accepted the Lord as a savior. And that was, that was as he was reading God's word and reading what Jesus had done for him. Wow. So he, you know, he would have heard the message before. He heard the message before, but... For how many years do you think he was hearing the message? Oh, I'm going to say for f- probably maybe 15, 15, 20 years. But there was never a desire in his heart to hear it or to understand it. But then through this um, difficult time that he was going through in his life with losing his nephew, he he had an open heart and God used his word to, to speak to his heart. What a cool story. I mean, we see it happen in our culture, but to see it happen, that this happens in an unreached culture where he heard the gospel, didn't believe it, but he can read and the word is in his language. Yes. And he believed it. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's a testimony to the importance of literacy. Even if just one person believes because they're able to read the word of God in their language. Wouldn't that be worth it? And uh, I'm sure there's more stories like that. So maybe you could give some advice to people like me that are on the front end of our ministries, just starting out, um, you know, wanting to be, have us see a church plant or people that are considering missions um, and thinking about the future. What, what what are some words of advice for for us? Well, um, realize that it's it's not a quick type of ministry. You're not going to plan a church in one or two or even three years. It's it's a long process that takes. First of all learning the language and the culture of the people, understanding how they, what they're thinking, so that when you do teach God's word, you're able to teach it in a way that um, gets to their heart and they understand where they are before God and they understand what Jesus has done for them. So realizing that this is a long process, but you know what? I think that it's the best job in the world to be involved in church planting among the unreached. Um, Keeping that vertical thinking. It's so easy that we get a horizontal thinking and we start to think about the here and now. But I have been reminded lately that um, our life is just a dash. You know, on a tombstone, It has the day you were born and it has the day that you die. And in the middle of that is this small dash. Make that dash count for eternity. 
So there's going to be obstacles and hard times and expect that. Another um, truth that I've thought about a lot recently is that when our, sometimes we have expectations, high expectations, and then when reality hits, because it's not what we expected, we're devastated. Realizing that um, our expectations need to be what the real is and guarding our expectations so that we don't have expectations of ourselves and of others that know that we can't meet. If I have such high expectations of my co-workers that there's no way they're going to be able to meet those expectations, then I'm going to be disappointed in them. So realizing that um, expectations are what can can devastate us and to keep those expectations before the Lord and what it is that he expects of us. Hmm. Is that different than pessimism, right? I feel uh, it's pretty evident that it is, but yeah. there's, a, there's a thin line between what you just said, keep your expectations before the Lord yeah. and sort of well, just expect the worst and you'll be happy because... Yeah, and, and that's why I love the fact that we have the Word of God. Because Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Church planting is like asking, we're removing a huge mountain of wrong thinking, of lies that the enemy has given, and God removing that and replacing it with the truth. So we need to have the right expectations, but we need to have we need to have our eyes on God and trusting him that he is going to plant his church. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So he will build his church and he wants to use um, those who are willing. To, he doesn't. It's not like it has to be the, the well-educated or the intelligent he wants a willing heart that's um, before him, that's willing to be used by him, and um, that says yes to what he asks you to say yes to. Awesome. Well, thank you. This has been such a great... Well, thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. And we pray for all of you out there in the field, in the trenches. We're thinking of you. And for those who are considering going, we need others to go to the field. And give the word of God to people that so that they can believe the gospel like this young man did um, in the story that you told us. So we thank you so much and um, God bless. God bless too. You've been listening to the Rethink Missions podcast. For more information and episodes, go to wmissions.com. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review and subscribe 